Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Are we we're doing good? Okay. Just give a couple people time to people time to sit down. I'm not sure where we're going to go today because Rich uh, Rick uh, preached my message, so he hit all the all the main points of uh, of the sermon. So we just close in prayer and have ministry time, and Amen. we'll be good. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're just uh, we're getting close to uh, Easter. It's exciting, and so being good or um, Palm Sunday, we're entering into this week. So. Just remember that this sun, or this Friday night at 6 p.m., we have our Good Friday service. We'll be looking at the seven phrases that Jesus said while, while he was on the cross. And it's just it's one hour long, uh, just intimate worship and, and just looking at that and just uh, reflecting on the cross. Next Sunday, when you come, if you could do a couple things. One, bring all those eggs that you're going to take today and fill them with candy and bring them back Sunday morning early. So there's a, a, just a handful of empty Easter eggs left by the welcome table. If you can grab a bag or grab a handful as you leave and then bring those back next week. And then if you're able to, um, if I could ask that you would start parking either next door at CrossFit or across the street, kind of, it's kind of across the double street at the water, is it the water department? Is that what it is? The street department at their parking lot. So we have permission to park in their parking lot from here on out. And so here's what we know. Next Sunday is going to be our third anniversary as a church of having Sunday morning services. So we, we will have been having Sunday morning services for three solid years um, next Sunday. Um, so it's a bit of an anniversary. And we've always known that parking was going to be a, a, a challenge for us. So we have a great relationship with Haymaker next door. They're actually going to be um, paving and graveling a big portion of their grass coming up in the next couple months, which is going to help us with probably 30 more parking spaces. Um, we're, we're actually um, helping financially with, with that to help, you know, to benefit us as well. And then um, street department has, you know, 30 or 40 spots over there that they've allowed us to park on Sundays. So if you're physically able to, first choice, park at the street department. If you're, if you're somewhat physically able to, Park at the Haymaker. If you need to park in our lot, great. But other than that, let's save our lot for 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 people who are are coming, you know, first time to check us out. If you if 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 you know if there's a physical reason for you to not be able to park in our, to to need to park in a lot, by all means, do that. So, um, but that's just so we can make our space available for people who want to come and uh, worship God and, and don't know us, so the rest of us can walk. So we'll, we'll be sorting that out even more in detail as the months come on, because we, we recognize that that's going to be one of, our, one of our little glitches in, in our facility here. So, so anyways, I um, wanted to just paint this picture. If you, if you've, if you have kids, you, you've probably dealt with this. If you've ever been a kid, you've probably done this. How many of you have ever been a kid? Just have to be all inclusive in this room. So, uh, how come nobody raised their hand? We got some, got some born adults. Um, another topic. 
But if you're a kid or you've, you've been a kid, I mean, Joe and I, we've experienced this with our kids where, you know, let's just say it's a Saturday morning, we're laying in bed, our door's shut, our door's locked because the kids have checked, you know, and we're just trying to be together and not have interruption. And all of a sudden, the knock on the door comes. Hello, mom, dad. And, you know, you, we've all done this where you pretend like you don't hear them. As long as you can, you pretend like you don't hear them. My mom's waving her hand back there. <laughs> Mom. So, 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 you know, so then the, the kid gets a little more aggressive, right? So they start really banging. Mom, dad, you know, are you in there? I got to ask you something. I need something. And, and you, you pretend like you still don't hear them because you just want that peace of the, of the Saturday morning. And, you know, it just gets so persistent that eventually you just yell out, what do you want me to do for you? And then your kid gives you their request. Now, now sometimes the requests are, that our children give us, we know that if we fulfilled their request, that it would not be beneficial for anybody, for themselves, for anybody. They ask, you know, kids ask for stuff or like, I know that if I tell you, you can go out barefoot in the hot sun and just run around in the street with a blindfold on for three hours, that's not going to benefit anybody. Somebody's probably going to get hurt. So, so the answer is no, you can't go do that. Sometimes our kids ask us for stuff and we're like, yeah, we want to, we want to fulfill their requests. And so here's, here's where I'm going with this this morning is that last week we started looking at red letter phrases from the Bible. And these are the, the things that Jesus said as we, as we enter into Easter, the things that Jesus said. And this morning, the, the, the red letter phrase that, that we've chosen is this, is what do you want? Jesus asking, what do you want? And there's two times in the, in the Gospels where we see Jesus ask this. The first is early in his ministry, and um, he's walking past John the Baptist, his cousin. And John the Baptist is standing there with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walks by, John the Baptist says, look, there is the Lamb of God. And so t- the two disciples of John the Baptist leave him and start following Jesus. And, G- and Jesus then looks and says, what do you want? Now, now, I say it that way, but I don't know that Jesus was annoyed by, in his question. Like when we ask our kids, what is it you want? You know, because we're just finally, they broke us down. And I don't think that's what Jesus was doing. I think Jesus said, what is it you want from me? And, and, and they said to Jesus, they said, we want to see where you're staying. And so Jesus invited them to come. And this is the recording of the, you know, the first disciples that started following Jesus. And, and as they asked this question, and Jesus responded to them and showed them, they, they, their lives were, were turned upside down. They were never the same again. They became disciples. They, they were with Jesus for over the next um, few years of his ministry, and their lives were never the same. The second time we see that Jesus answers this question is, is he's walking along this road, and he's got a crowd following him, and there's these blind guys sitting on the side of the road. And they, they, they ask, what's, all, what's going on, what's going on? And, they, and somebody tells them, Jesus is walking by. And so they start yelling out, Jesus, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd's trying to hush them, and they just start yelling even more. And then as they yell, and Jesus walks by, he says it this way. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And then they responded. They said, Lord, we want to see. So, so they called out to Jesus he asked them, what is it you want me to do for you? And they were very specific in what they wanted him to do. We want to see 
And on that moment, they received their sight. And just like the disciples earlier, the two men were with John the Baptist, they, they called out to Jesus, he responded, and on that day, obviously, because they could see their lives were never the same again. And so being Palm Sunday, you know, we're going to look at just the story of Palm Sunday, and Rick kind of, Rick kind of spilled the beans on that a little bit, but that's okay. Um, and then I want to kind of tie it in and circle back around to this, to this question, this red-letter question, what do you want me to do for you? So let's look at, at the Palm Sunday story, and, and it's, um, you know, obviously, like Rick said, this is the, 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 the day that Jesus enters into Jerusalem. It's, it's the kickoff of what we call Holy Week, and for Jesus, he knows that it's the, it's, he's heading to the cross. You know, so the, the week starts off at Palm Sunday, this huge celebration, and then it ends with Jesus at, on the cross. So in Luke chapter 19, let's just read what, what Palm Sunday is, and, and here, here's, here's what it says. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, and he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, and he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Now, he, so he's fulfilling prophecy right here, in case you're, you're this, this was prophesied you know, hundreds of years before. Um, untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. And those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying it, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. And I find it interesting that the guy did not like fight back. He's like, oh, Take my brand new little donkey. So they brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And he went along. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the mountain of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully and began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And they're screaming, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And and I love this. He says, I tell you, this is Jesus. He said, if they keep quiet, the stones will will cry out. And so there's this excitement that's happening. The, the people are, you know, in, in other, the other Gospels, the people are laying their cloaks down and, and, and they're taking um, branches and, and one records that it's palm branches. And they're, they're laying it down. They're given, they're given like a king's entry to Jesus as he rides in. There's this huge excitement taking place. Now, now what I want to do is I want to just kind of play with this little thought that what if you're a reporter on that day? What if you're, you know, part of the Jerusalem Post and you've been sent out to observe what's happening? And so as you see the crowd being extremely excited and people praising this man riding on the donkey, you go around with your microphone and your recorder, because they had that in biblical times, and you, you start interviewing people who are excitedly praising Jesus as he rides on the donkey. And so you ask people, you know, you start interviewing them, and they're sharing with you how excited they are that the Messiah has come, and this is the Messiah that's going to save us. And you say to them, the one question you say, what is it you want Jesus to do for you? That's the question you're posing to different people. Now, here's some of the responses you would have got. Some would say that they want Jesus to save them from the grasp of the Romans. 
They would say, we, we want the Messiah to save us from the Romans. Others would say, we want Jesus to free us from the political oppression that we're under right now. Some might have said, we want Jesus to raise up an army that can do battle against the Roman soldiers. And they would have missed the point of Jesus coming. Their, their responses would have been not the reason that Jesus was riding in on a donkey. Jesus come, didn't come to establish some political or, or military rule against the powers of the world. As we talk about here at Branches, Jesus came to do battle against the kingdom of this world, the darkness of the world, by bringing his kingdom and establishing it here on earth and establishing it in the hearts of his people. And because these people on on that Palm Sunday morning, they misunderstood the reason for Jesus had come, then we know that they were the same people who were shouting Hosanna on Sunday were the same, some of the same people yelling, crucify him, crucify him on Friday. And so here's what we want to do. I want to just kind of look at what we would do if Jesus asks us, what is it you want us to do for us? Because I know that we're way more spiritual people than those in the Bible. That we would never be people that would say, praise you on Sunday and crucify you on Friday. We wouldn't be those people. We understand who Jesus is completely, don't we? Yeah. Well, I'm not that spiritual, so I need to ask the question, what, Jesus, I need to know what, what Jesus would say to me or how to ask Jesus when he says, what do you want me to do for you? So, so how would you answer that? If Jesus came up to you and said, what do you want me to do for you? What would be your response? Would you say, Jesus, I need more money. Jesus, I need better relationships. I'm lonely. Jesus, I need you to fix my relationships. Jesus, I need a new job. What would be, what would be your response? Jesus, I need freedom from oppression. I need freedom from addiction. If you're super spiritual, you say, Jesus, I just, I need to be very close to you. I want to be more intimate with you. What would be, what would be your, your response if Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And maybe there's this thought that we don't understand that we could ask Jesus for stuff. Do you, do you feel that way? That I can't ask Jesus for things. That's not right. Well, let's establish some truths. If Jesus was to ask us, what do you want me to do for you? The first truth is that it's okay to ask from God. We see this in Matthew chapter 7. Here's what it says. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks find, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. I, I look at these, the, this scripture as an invitation. I, I see that picture kind of as my child knocking on the door. You see this pressing in, this progression that takes place. Ask, seek, knock. Do you see that it, it takes, there's a little bit more happening here. And what I see happening is Jesus saying, hey, with your needs, I want to be the one to fulfill your needs. I, I want you to ask stuff from me. I'm inviting you to press in and ask me to be the one to fulfill the things that you need in your life. So, so that's kind of the first truth that we need to hang on to. It's okay for us to go to God and say, say I need something. Here, here's a second truth, is that God wants to give you good things. 
If we look in Matthew chapter 7, just a few verses down, it says this, or continuing with that, it says, which of you, if your sons ask for bread, will give them a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give them a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask them? And, and the truth is this, it's God's desire to take care of us. Just as, as we as parents who don't know everything, don't know how to figure stuff out, we want the best for our children. We're willing to give up and sacrifice and give to our children because we want to give them good gifts. The Father in heaven wants to give us good gifts. But here's what we need to transition to. Just knowing that we could ask God for stuff and knowing that he wants to give us good gifts can create this spoiled I want, I want, I want mentality in us, doesn't it? And so, and so, so I, I considered that. Like God says we could ask him for things. God says he wants to give us good things. But I, I realized that in, in asking, there's some conditions that, that we need to be, that, like posture that we need to have as we come and ask. And so, and so the first condition that I, I just came up with is that as we ask God for things, we need to ask with the right motives. And so, so here's the verse in James 4. It says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. And so that's this asking God is not a free-for-all. We have to have our motives aligned with him. It's, it's not this idea that, that we carry God around like a genie in a bottle, and anytime we need something, we rub it, he pops out, and he fulfills our every need. And, and you know, honestly, I've been in situations where that tends to be some theology, that we could just go and say, God, I need this, and he's going to do it, and God, I need this, and he's going to do that, and, you know, in Jesus' name, I need, you know, my new car, and I'm going to get it. And, and that's, not, that's not correct. It's that we, our motives have to be aligned with God's motives. And, and, and what our motives have to do is when we ask, it's to bring pleasure and glory to God's name. So John fourteen thirteen says this, you can ask anything in my name and it will be done so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, yes ask anything in my name and it will be done. But you see that part, the asking, the motive behind it is to bring glory to the father. And so as we see in this verse, when we ask in Jesus' name, there's things that we could ask for that bring glory. And what would those be? What would there be in your life that, that you could ask God to do that would be glory, bring glory to him? I would say that maybe asking him for some, some healing. When, when we ask God for healing and, peop, and, and, and we see healing, we glorify God, don't we? How about when we ask God to bring freedom in a situation, in a bad situation of, of drug drug use or alcohol use or, or, or deliverance from something that just is oppressing us? How about when we ask God to bring people our way so that they can meet him and, and, and come into salvation? That brings glory to God's name. So, so our motive needs to align with his motive. And, that, and that's the, the second condition is that we need to align our will with God's will for our life. And so Psalms 37, four says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, we want to say, oh, God's going to give us the desires of, the, of our heart. But we forget to take the light in the Lord, right? That, that pressing in and worshiping him and making him number one in our life and loving him with everything that we are. Because what happens when we take delight in the Lord, we then 
align with God's will for our life. Proverbs 16.3 says this, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And so here's how we get our, our motives right and aligned with God is that we let God's spirit that's living in us lead us and guide us. We submit who we are to the spirit of God. So, so here, here's the tension that we live in. We have what's called the flesh, which is our, our, our old nature, and we have the spirit of God living in us. And when we come to God and we're, we're walking in the flesh and it's all about selfishness and it's all about our own motives, we ask God for stuff and it's like, no, that's not aligned with, with my will for your life. But when we walk in the spirit, when we, when we wake up in the morning and we say, God, today you are in control of my life. God, today I want to be led by your spirit that's living in me. I want you to spend me like we talked about last week, however you want to spend me. Then we're aligned with what God, God's will is. And so when we ask of things, those things are already part of his plan. Does that make sense to you, how that works? And so we align ourselves with God's will for our life. And we see, we see an example of, of, of some selfish motives being played out with two of Jesus' disciples in, in Mark chapter 10. If you remember this, and this is getting close to, to Jesus, you know, he's, he's looking at the cross at this point. And it says, James and John, the son of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. And they said, teacher, we want, us to do you, we want you to do us a favor. And he says, what is your request? And they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in place of honor next to you, on your, one on your right and one on your left. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking for. You are, able, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering, I must be baptized. This is a weird scripture. In some of the, some of the gospel recordings, these two guys' mom came and asked Jesus. It says their mom came and asked Jesus, like, Mom, can you go ask him if, if we could have a place of honor next to him? And, and, and we see that through that request, a little fight breaks out amongst the other disciples. They're like, like, who do you guys think you are to ask Jesus of this? And so there's some motivations out of line. There's some character out of line. And Jesus says, you don't even know what you're asking for. So when we come, we need to know that our motivations are right. When we come to Jesus, we need to know that we, our, our will is aligned with God's will, that we're walking in his spirit and we're saying, God, we, what I want, I'm asking you for, I know is what you would, would bring glory to your name. And then, and then the, the, the last condition, I would say, or just the last exercise would be to take, it to take it to the Lord in prayer. Philippians says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And so, and so this is just simply... Take our needs to him. Pray about it. Just press in with him. We were, we were praying about this this morning. And we were talking about, you know, when we pray, there's just a level of faith that we have to kind of step into because, because we're just talking to, to God. But for some of us, talking to God feels like we're just speaking to the ceiling and it's bouncing back down. And Jesus, God's saying, just come, bring it to me. Press in with me. Ask me. I want to fulfill your needs. So, so a couple thousand years ago, these people, you know, praised Jesus as he, as he came into Jerusalem. But what they were asking for was not what he was planning to do. They missed it. And so today, here's the thing. I, I don't want us to miss it. 
I want us to know that, that there's a God that came to establish his kingdom. We see that in the Bible. There's a God that came, that came and said, I want to bring, make wholeness to people. I want to make you whole. I want to heal you of your situations. And there's a, there's a God that came and said, I want you to ask. I want you to come and ask me for your needs. And so, so here's kind of some practical tips as we wrap this up for going forward. The first is that we need to be specific with what we need. The blind men said, Jesus, we want to see. We want to see. What is it you want to do, me to do for you? I want to see. Sometimes when we pray for people, we'll, we'll pray with them and, and, and we'll, we'll ask them, you know, ask God something and then God will reveal something and we'll say, ask him specifically what, what he's saying to you right here. And God will share that. And we need to be very specific with God about what we need. So that, that's the first tip as we head into this week. Second is we need to ask with the right motives. And that's just, just knowing that we want what we ask God for to bring glory to him and get rid of the selfishness. We need to pray about what we're asking for. And then we need to walk in the spirit by aligning that will align our will with God's will. That's Palm Sunday. That's our red letter, red letter expression as Jesus said, what is it you want me to do for you? And we have that freedom to approach our Savior and ask him. Why don't you stand with me and we'll, we'll finish off with some, some worship. Now this morning when we were praying, um, somebody shared just a picture that they had seen you know, as they, were, as they were getting ready to come to church. And the picture was this that she, she explained. She saw this picture of a big spider. Just, just picture a spider as big as your hand or my hand. And this spider would run out and then run back in. And then run out and then run back in to safety. Run out, run back in to safety. And she asked God, she said, what does this mean? And, and, and you know, she felt like God was saying that the spider is running out, but then running back in disbelief. Like unbelief. Like I'm going to take this step out, but I'm, I'm going to retract and protect. I'm going to take this step out and retract and protect. So we prayed about that as a group of people this morning. And, and kind of the, what, we, what we saw was just that there, there's people even in this room that when you want to approach God, you, you, you maybe intellectually or you just kind of know, I can do it. But then as you step out to approach God, you retract in unbelief. You just, ah, I'm not sure. Oh, God doesn't really do that. God doesn't want to meet me. God doesn't care about my situation. And I think the encouragement for that was, was that, like I said earlier about praying, is that we need to take a step of faith. You need to have a step of faith to say, God said certain things. I'm going to trust that he, what he said is true. And I'm going to take that step and I'm going to stay out there and I'm going to ask God what I need. Is that fair? And, and so, so I just believe that there's some people that are dealing with stuff today. And you, you've been afraid to ask God to, to intervene into your life. You carrying stuff like that you don't need to be carrying, and God wants to bring glory to his name, and he wants to make you whole, and you have to take that step in order to ask. And so we want to provide that time. So, so as we wrap up, we're going to have this song of worship. There's going to be people up here, and it's our time to ask God. And God's asking you, what is it you want? What, what do you want me to do for you? And we need to be ready to say, God, I, I, want, I want to... Be free from addiction. God, I want to be, I want to be free from, from the junk in my relationships. God, I, I want to have a relationship with you. 
And so that's what this time that we provide is. And so, so I just want to encourage you that, that as, we, as we worship, that you just be reflecting with God and saying, God, is there something that you want me to ask of you? And then be ready to respond. Be ready to say, okay, I'm going to step out and I'm going to come respond. And you know what? The people that are up here just want to love you. They want to join with you and be excited about what God wants to do in your life. So if I could try to relieve any kind of fear or nervousness to walk forward, it's, it's easy. It really is. And, and those that have walked forward, you know, hey, it's not that big of a deal. Somebody meets me and we just have a conversation and then we pray about it. And so just as we, as we wrap up, I want to uh, encourage you. Don't, don't walk out of here. Don't leave knowing that there's stuff that you need to ask God for, that you need God to do in your life. We want to provide that for you, and this is a great opportunity to do that. So let me pray, and then, then we'll worship. So Jesus, we, we're just getting excited that, um, that we're celebrating ultimately what you came to do, and that's to, to save us and, and restore back our relationship with you to make us um, in a place where we can stand before you righteous. And so, God, as, as we go into this week and as we, as we remember what's taken place in this week in your life 2,000 years ago, we know the victory on the other side. And so we can, look, we can look at all the grief that took place, but we can know that on the other side there was, there was victory, that you came and you won. And that's why we worship you. Because you're a God that, that defeated. You're a God that came and saved. You're a God that came and restored. You're a God that came to make us whole. God, it, I just pray that as, as you're speaking to people right now, that, um, that there will be a, a clarity in how you're speaking to them. There won't be any fuzziness, but they'd be tuned in in such a way that they're hearing clear from you and they know what it is you want to do in their life and that they they feel freedom and comfortable to just say, God, I need you to do this. Will you intervene in my life? Lord, would you give them the boldness, the comfort, the the encouragement to know that this is a safe place. This is a place where where we will love and, and, and we will engage and connect with them and in with you, Lord. So, so just, Lord, we just ask that you'd be doing work in hearts right now. And God, everything that takes place in this room is for your glory. We want to glorify you. We want Warsaw to know that you are living and that you are victorious and that we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.